Welcome to the podcast. I'm Isaac Carroll, and this is What Do I Know? I'd like to dedicate this podcast to a friend of mine named Pierre. I did this one because of you, my brother. I'm not sure people realize that they are more than one message in the New Testament. The first and the most important message is the one that's to the lost. And that message is the gospel of Jesus. That he was crucified for the sins of the world. And now that he sits at the right hand of the Father. And as it says in John 1, starting at verse 12, But to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of blood, nor the desire or will of man, but born of God. He has made a way for all men to be saved. It is the first and the most important message. As it says this in Matthew 28, starting in verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey all that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now the gospel leads men to Christ, and it shows them a way of salvation. The second message is the one that is given to those who already believe, and that is to teach them to be disciples and to obey everything Christ commanded. I find that I speak the second message on my podcast, and it's been in my mind that the lost don't normally go to podcasts to seek salvation. They probably should be hearing that from fellow believers who live among them. But it's come to my attention that sometimes isn't always the case. Those who are seeking knowledge of Christ will look wherever they can find it. Which leads me to what I want to discuss. I know I demand a lot. I'm probably not the best podcaster for new Christians. Those who are now just coming to Christ. I call out false doctrine and life of Christ with no proof. I challenge believers so they don't become unprofitable for the kingdom. And I have been called to do this because of the conviction I felt after studying the letters of Revelation to the seven churches. I was once like everyone else. I was just happy to be free of sin. But after hearing those letters, I couldn't stay that way any longer. I had to stand up. I had to call out what I now saw as a dying church in America. I saw how far we had fallen. And I felt an overwhelming need to do something. But I realized my words may be hard for someone just coming to Christ. And it's not that my message is wrong. It just wasn't meant to be delivered to those who haven't come to know the truth. And that message should be one of hope, love, salvation. That should be the gospel message of Jesus. That he loves them and he has paid it all so they might come to know him and be saved. I told you I dedicated this to my friend Pierre. Well, Pierre is a man I came to know through work. Now, I used to witness him back in the day. I shared the love I had with Christ and all that God had done for me. Pretty much the same way any Christian would do. 
And we used to spend our mornings before work started and just talk about who Jesus was. Just had great conversations and sharing the gospel with him. Pierre finally left our company. Uh, He sought out uh, a better job more suited for his great talent. I wished him well. And I thought of him often. I prayed to God would not let that man go through life without coming to salvation. Well, God brought Pierre back in contact with me recently. And I decided to share my podcast with him in a way just to keep connected. I find that he is on the road a great deal for work, gone for extended periods of time, weeks and weeks on end. And then when he finally does come, he's only home for a couple of days before he's off again. It's got to be a hard life and one that will keep you disconnected from a church family, from a life of pursuit of Jesus. So I shared with him my podcast so he would have something to remind him of the Lord. And one day we were talking and I, and I heard a desire in him to know Christ. And I was so excited. Finally, he was going to surrender himself to Jesus. To ask him to come into his life. But as we were talking, I heard some hesitation, some doubts. And these doubts should have alerted me to a situation that I probably had caused. You see, when you come to know Christ, it may not be in the most perfect of times. And not that any time you come to salvation isn't perfect, but what happens when you've heard someone like me preach and teach on a podcast about the absolute necessity to change, to not live in sin? But what if your life that you live is built entirely around sin? How do you come to repentance then? Let me use myself as an example so that you better understand where I'm coming from. When me and my wife, when we came to know Christ, we weren't married. I'm not sure if we were still married to other people. I know that we were married to other people when we met and when we moved in together. We both had kids with someone else. I remember when we first came to Christ and I was reading through Matthew 5 and 32 where it says, but I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. That hit me like a ton of bricks. The woman that I love was an adulterer. And that made me an adulterer. Regardless of the reason why she left her husband, I knew it wasn't because of his sexual morality. I remember laying there in bed crying my eyes out, pleading with God, because I didn't want to disrupt my family again. My kids had been through so much. Not to mention me. I didn't want to lose what up until that very moment I believed God had gave me in this woman. How could this be? We were both coming to salvation, but it was still, but it was built on sin. How was I going to be able to continue to live this way and still say that I was saved? I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to leave her and break up my family. I was being selfish. I was showing myself to be unworthy of the sacrifice Christ made. On that cross once again. My wife, on the other hand, was just as happy as she could be. 
She wasn't burdened at all by the knowledge of our sin. She was just happy they were coming to know Christ. That the man she had fallen in love with was changing in ways that made her only want to love him more. No longer this angry person. I was being kinder and and more attentive to the children. More attentive and kinder to her. Isn't it funny? How you can have peace and childlike faith when you aren't burdened by the law. As for me, I had no such luck. I knew the law. And I found that I was in direct conflict with what Jesus himself had said. And I know I didn't want to change that. But I knew eventually I would have to because the guilt of it would destroy us anyway. I went to talk to my mom. I knew that her and my dad had dealt with this very situation when they were married. Because he'd been married two other times previously. So when I went to talk to her, she said, yes, that this had come up in their marriage and that my dad had come up to her and told her that they couldn't continue to be married anymore because of this scripture. She told him that they needed to go speak to their pastor. And if he told them that they should divorce, then they had no choice. You see, my father was proven to be a better Christian than me because he was willing to sacrifice it all for Christ. So they went to talk to the pastor and he said, he told them that they were not accountable for the life they had lived before they came to know Christ. So all those past marriages weren't a problem and those sins were forgiven and they they were under no obligation to divorce. And this made me feel a little better, but I knew my situation was different because I actually knew Christ at a young age. And even though I ran from him most of my life, I ran from him because I saw him as much the same way as I saw my father. Someone who was uncompromising, demanding, walk my way or it's the highway. Do what is right or you will be punished. It's funny. I have done so much to be punished, but God has never once done it. I feared God's wrath even more than I feared my father's anger. And my father, he showed me his anger quite often. But God had never once showed me wrath. On the contrary, all he ever did was show me love. He held out his hands to me and my wife and all I could think about was proving yet again that I wasn't worthy to be called a follower of Jesus. It's something I would continue to do throughout my life. Seems I have a gift for being hard-headed and hard to teach. Well, eventually I came to this passage of scripture in 1 Corinthians 7, starting in verse 20. It says, each one of you should remain in the situation he was in when he was called. This was the passage that gave me peace. For even though I had believed in Jesus, I wasn't called to that point. And God called us in the situation that we were in. But we had to make a choice. We wanted to repent and we wanted to live a life better and more worthy of Christ. And we'd have to make a decision. And regardless of my wife's insistence that she was never getting married again, we got married. So we would no longer live in sin. That didn't happen overnight. And the moral story is this. We didn't or couldn't 
get our life right and come to salvation. It took salvation to make us want to get our lives right. And we could have never done that without the help of God. You know, for all my convictions on repentance and living a life worthy of Christ, I still fall short of him every day. I'll never understand why God chose me or why he's put up with me. But I remember Paul stated this in 1 Timothy 1 and 15. It says, this is a worthy saying, worthy of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for this very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in time, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might dis- Christ Jesus might display his perfect patience as an example to those who would believe in him for eternal life. Now, I recognize a kindred spirit in Paul, because just like him, I am the worst of sinners. I knew that I was supposed to do what was right, but I just couldn't do it. I chose not to do it. And in spite of all that I'd done wrong, and as far as I ran from God, he still allowed me to come into repentance. To know a feeling of joy and peace that is just unexplainable. And what did I do? I failed once again. I strayed right back into the same old sinfulness. Betraying the very thing that he had gave me. But for some reason he didn't give up on me. He knew I would run once again. And he was there waiting for me when I finally stopped. He held out his nail-pierced hands as I hit my knees and begged for forgiveness. I realized I would never be worthy of his forgiveness. But he gave it to me anyway. And I can't explain to you the love and gratefulness I have in Jesus. I don't ever want to fail him again. I no longer fear losing my salvation. But what I fear is disappointing him in any way. Because of all that he's done for me. No, your your situation may not be perfect, but he is. And he's not only capable, but he's willing. I can tell you from personal experience that he loves you. And it'll never be about your worthiness. It'll never be about your imperfect situation. It'll be about a relationship with him that will change your entire life. And let me tell you, it will be the best decision you ever make. I started this podcast because I believe God called me to teach, to preach his word. I believe he showed me mercy, much the same way he did Paul, for the same reason. And not that I'm Paul, good Lord. I'm as far from Paul as John the Baptist said he was from Christ. I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And I never wanted my convictions to hinder a new believer. I was called to make disciples and to teach them to obey everything Christ told them. 
And I hope and pray that my heart is heard in this podcast. Don't worry about anything. Let nothing hinder you from knowing Christ, for it will be the greatest decision you will ever make. I feel like I should say so much more, but unless I could open my chest physically and show you my heart, I could never express with words what Christ has done for me. And if he's done it for me, he can do it for you. Don't let doubt creep in to your mind and keep you from taking that next step towards Christ. I don't care what you've done. Jesus paid the price. He took the conviction for you and was sentenced to death, which he took, even the death on the cross. Don't let another second go by without acknowledging that Jesus died for you. He is waiting with open arms. Don't close the door of your heart any longer. Before I end this, and because there isn't any set way for you to come to Jesus, and many people struggle with this step, let me give you a piece of scripture. It's in Acts 16. It, says, when Paul and, it was when Paul and Silas were arrested. They were beaten and thrown into prison. And the prison was shaken. The doors of the prison flew open. And the jailer thought that the prisoners had all escaped. So he was going to kill himself. And they cried out to him. Do not harm yourself. But we are all still here. And it says, calling for the lights, the jailer rushed in and fell trembling upon Silas's feet. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your whole household. Then Paul and Silas spoke the words of the Lord to him and to everyone in his house. At the hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. And without delay, he and his whole household were baptized. Then he brought them into his home and set a meal before them. So he and his whole household rejoiced that they had come to believe in God. So no fancy prayer was needed. No special demonstration was required. But a change of heart and a belief in Jesus. After that, he was baptized as an outward confession of faith and a sign that he died to his old self and was washed clean, and now he lives for Jesus. It says that they spoke to him and the whole family the words of the Lord. And that word would look something like this. In Luke 10, starting in verse 25, it says, One day an expert in the law stood up to test him. His teacher, he asked, What must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? Jesus replied, and how do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus said. Do this, and you will live. But if you still think that you need something physically to make that next step, then I would ask you, just pray this with me. Jesus, I am a sinner. And I'm sorry. Forgive me and wash me clean. I have not known you, but I believe in you. And I wish to know you better. Please take my hand and walk with me and never let me go. I ask this with all my heart. In Jesus' name, amen.
Now take a minute and let that sink in. You have been set free. Now you must go and be baptized to make that outward statement of faith and belief. To die to your old self and rise a new Christian in Christ, washed clean. After that, you need to get involved with the body of Christ, who are your fellow believers. You need to get into his word and pray for understanding so he can teach you all that you must know. I'm going to end this one here, and I pray that you have some celebrating to do. I would tell you, go shout it from the rooftops, and may the God of peace, love, protect you and shelter you all your days. I love you. God's peace and love to all. Goodbye.